Hello, friends. It is your GM, Mike, here with a little update on our release schedule before we get started. What you have here is a little bonus episode we promised a few releases back. More explanation about that forthcoming. After this episode, we're going to be taking a release cycle off because I am going on vacation. I know it is a real heck of a time for us to make you wait even longer uh, after the last episode, but this is just how the timing happened to work out with everybody's travel schedules over the summer. And I promise taking time off makes the show both possible and better so that we don't get all burnt out and cranky. Um, so we hope that you will join us either in person or on stream for our live show at Caveat on July 20th. Link in the show notes for that. And then we're going to find out what happens to Venus and the rest of the crew on August 6th. Okay. Announcement over. On with the bonus episode. Previously, on Float City, the team struck a deal with Pirate King Grand Shandy. He would be better able to lobby for the continued protection of a storehouse of weapons if the team stole a clutch of eggs from his rival, Theadrafad. To assist in the dispatch of their duties, Shandy gifted the team with several pills said to make one's body fall through solids, to be stopped only by water. After infiltrating Thea's house and grabbing the eggs, Mercus became trapped by a depressed, late Tefnian war machine named Hanbi, and in order to escape, had to take one of the pills. Mercus drifted through the holes of Graffa, landing in a cavern where he was confronted by a powerful entity, the Brain Rat King. We know Mercus eventually makes his way safely to the hideout and meets with his team, but we don't know what untold trials he experienced in the interim. That is, until now. Marcus, the plunge through Graffa is not slow and gelatinous, but quick and kind of scary. It's not unlike falling through air. You are just falling through stone. <laughs> Along the way, you pass through various caverns in the hollows of Graffa. A small room with some sleeping weight and pirates, a monumental cavern with, with what looks like tons and tons and tons of weaponry, an even <laughs> larger cavern that seems to contain what looks like an underground city carved directly into the rock of Graffa, populated by strange, shiny red figures. You pass through something that looks like a library, something that looks like a tiny apartment, and plenty of small, wet pathways of no renown until... Smack. Uh, uh. 
Mercus collides finally with solid ground at the base of Grafa. Or actually, not solid ground, but solid water. Uh, Pooled in some unlit cave that is level with the ocean, but once again, thanks to the pills, the one thing that would stop Mercus's descent. You smack into the water with nearly lethal force. Roll a d30 and take that much damage. Rip. Mercus dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, he just he rolled a seven. Oh, okay, great. Not so bad. Good. <laughs> Lucky. What, nice. What did it feel like to go through the solid, like, in Mercus's body? I would say it's much more intense than falling through a stiff work, which seems to be a little slower and gelatinous, but <laughs> this was... A little too fast for our delicate uh, lizard friend. <laughs> <clears throat> Question for the DM. Mike, uh, did Mercus uh, uh, hit terminal velocity on the way down? Ooh. You know, how many feet does it take to reach terminal terminal velocity in, like, standard gravity? Because I know is, roughly how many feet he fell. Is there um, standard gravity on Yeah, I would say it's pre- if, if it's not, it's pretty close. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> We gotta get Wythe on the line. Four hundred fifty meters. <laughs> How, what is that in feet? Uh, fifteen hundred feet. No, yeah. he did not reach terminal velocity. <laughs> I mean, he he might have. He might <laughs> because think about it, right? It doesn't he have less mass than a normal human? I don't know. Because hmm. <laughs> like that's there's a whole true. thing, right? He's no, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if mass. I, this is the scientists are going to come after me if I keep talking. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it's only move. about four feet tall. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, um, I'll do the, I'll do some more specific math, uh, once we're done recording and I'll put it in the show notes, just a yes or a no as to whether or not Mercus both reached terminal velocity and then, uh, you know, survived mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I can give you the equation if you'd like. Yeah, yeah please just throw that <laughs> okay. in the slack. Um, Mercus, uh, you stand and you brush yourself off. Your clothes are soaking wet, uh, and you can feel like, you know, it's already been a couple minutes since you took the pill, maybe like literally two, and you can feel the effects of it like slowly starting to wear off. Your body is starting to feel a little bit different, but for the time being, you notice that you can still walk on water, uh, which you are currently doing, um, which is lucky because you are about to have somewhere to go. Mm. You hear in this dark cavern that you have landed in the rushing sound of hair and plastic and teeth in the dark. It sounds like it's all around you, and then it all comes together and focuses in one spot right in front of you, just a little bit further ahead in this pitch-dark cave, probably 30 or so feet away. In that spot where the sound stops, a torch flares to life, illuminating a rock shore at the edge of this small pond that you're standing on top of, and holding the torch is a dark swaying figure about five feet tall wearing a strange baggy tent of a cloak and it speaks in a strange tiny voice and it says come come closer child are you lost and Mercus it's at this moment that you realize you don't know where you are both in this cave and in general you're having trouble remembering what was happening before you fell. What were you doing earlier today? Oh. 
What's your name? I am... Uh, I am... Was it the fall? You're not sure. You feel like you can think clearly. You just don't know too much. Uh, he brushes himself off and, and starts walking toward the shore, but very carefully tiptoeing and maybe sticks a, a boot toe onto the solid ground to see if he sinks through it. Uh, you definitely, when you get to the edge, to the to like the rocky shore, uh, when you step f- from what's definitely water to what's definitely land, uh, it's not as airy as it was when you fell through it. It does feel more, uh, there's more resistance now, but you can still pass a foot through the land in front of you. So oh. yeah, there's a change that's, it's changed, but it's still not completely worn off. Oh, takes a step forward and then takes a step back onto the water. <laughs> and it's just kind of woozy and trying to stay on his feet. Uh, are you, uh, do you, are you going to approach this weird figure that's on the shore with the torch? Yeah, Marcus looks around and is twitching his nose and can't seem to locate any technology or any sign of life except for what's in front of him. Yeah. And I would say, uh, Jen, just from a player perspective, like you and I can talk about this on a case by case basis, but I think Mercus has like forgotten most of his like non innate powers. <laughs> so like something like his like electrostatic sense, he probably still has because that's part of his physiology. Um, mm-hmm. But like I'm trying to think of the things that Mercus knows. Something like Jack. dive, Jack Pat. and dive. He yeah, probably like, doesn't know how to yeah, do that. Probably doesn't know. know. Probably doesn't know Jack. Probably doesn't know dive. Probably doesn't know um, what is it? Call tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so well, that, like that happens afterward anyway. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah you get that one later. <laughs> Okay, so as you get closer uh, to this like weird dark swaying figure, the, f- the first thing you can like you feel the torch, you feel the heat from the torch, and it's like nice because you're you know uh, your clothes are covered in water though your body is not wet, which is a very strange uh, like a very strange feeling. Um, the torch also is like swaying kind of wildly, and it's making that sound that torches do. Like, and it, even though it's lit, the figure's kind of hard to make out. You can't really see its face and its hands look really weird uh like they're kind of hairy and they're not really hand shaped they're having a very hard time holding on to and like grasping this torch which is not that big the cloak covers this figure's whole body uh, and the cloak itself is like kind of like it's kind of rippling and undulating oh. you you're pretty sure you hear uh as you get close and like step a foot out and then step a foot back under under its breath, like sort of quietly to itself, it's like, yes, yes, you will dress. Me? <laughs> yes. Are you confused? Would you like to know the way back to the surface? Oh, yes. I can tell Yes, will you help me? I don't know anything right now. And he's scratching his head.
I have skills. Yeah, it's weird because you don't know what this weird figure is talking about. And you're thinking about like what it is that you might know that they're interested in. And now at this point, it kind of is getting a little harder to think. You don't know who you are, but you also don't know who the horde is. Its existence kind of dawns on you. What's a horde? And he's scratching his head, or he had been scratching his head, and then is alarmed that someone is scratching his head and looks at his own hand. (laughs) Maybe you're the horde? I mean, that would make sense. It's not like anybody is going to think thoughts for you. I am... I am, I'm the horde. So yeah, if you're serving the horde, you're just serving yourself. And like, is that bad? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Bridges <laughs> walks forward. <laughs> oh. Uh, and the the figure kind of sways and swings the uh s- swings the torch around and is like. And then the ground below you shifts and the water turns to not water, but something furry and wet and made of many pieces of moving ground and not one. And you are just swept off your feet and the ground below you shifts and swells to a mountain of rats. But you kind of like half sink into and through, but there's enough of them constantly changing place that you're buoyed on top of it. Uh, They're gray and they're brown and they're black and they have these metal boxes on their heads that are sort of, I mean, you're up close. It's hard to tell. Like, are they growing out of their skull? Have they been implanted there? Like, you really don't know. And this sea of rats carries you like a wave through the dark of the holes of Graffa, away from the cloaked figure that stays on the shore in the cavern with the torch. And though that figure shrinks into the distance, their voice somehow stays right next to your ear, or maybe right inside your ear. You are torpedoed through all of these tunnels, a maze that you cannot possibly keep track of. And you're pushed and carried along by this, by the force of this huge rat wave. And that voice that's just inside your head very patiently explains as it's taxiing you through the center of Graffa. And then there's like a chorus of laughter. We're not invited to this meeting. The island is our home. And so he said we give this meeting. Another chorus of laughter. And then you get a face 
flashes in your head. Like you're thinking of someone that you don't know, but suddenly you do. You, wow. you are very familiar with this person all of a sudden. It's a massive unhuman with this heavily pockmarked face, big like swollen features, large bulbous cheeks, big nose, forearmed, giant, muscular, high and tight hairdo. He's got this smart triple breasted three piece suit on and he's got six inches of gold bracelets on each arm. Very dapper, very large looking unhuman man. And then some laughter. Collaborating with us, as you might say, a small matter, a trifling concern. Mercus points into the air just as if that thing is in front of him. He is not horde. Uh, and the voice and the voice like sort of cackles um, and uh, yeah, a very familiar laugh to you at this point. And you get another very quick picture of a building on the surface of Grafa, on the top of Grafa uh, in the like north. It would be the northwestern corner. Uh, it's a very strange looking kind of like concrete looking cube. It's very small uh, and very nondescript. Uh, I think we would describe it as maybe slightly brutalist. Uh, it's just like, yeah, gray cube with a door in it. And then the voice giggles a little bit more as though it thinks the word introduction is very, very funny. And then it goes, As we now do, please meet our companions in this small matter. We have no doubt you may explain the team. They have already been away of the details. Most of you are successful. We promise to return you yourselves. And then you are just kind of thrown out of a hole. Uh, in, in a wall in a cavern in Grafa <laughs> and you kind of like land and skid and you now know that you are uh, fully solid again. You will no longer be passing through uh, any uh, stone or what have you. Uh, and you see in front of you in this sunlit cave uh, in a cavern on the side of Grafa, two figures, two large red crystal people. Two sard mutants, humans infected with or born with the red crystalline plague who live in a city that is carved into the rock in the very center of Grafa. Bijan, Shannon, could you introduce your characters who have just seen uh, they were told to wait here uh, for a moment uh, by some voice that they like only kind of understand, but seems pretty friendly. And now a like small lizard boy has been ejected with like a funny noise from a hole in the wall. Marcus, uh, you, you see, uh, just like a, what looks like just like a normal, like a, if you didn't look closely, you wouldn't know, but this just looks like a normal person. Um, but you know, uh, I, is there any light down here? 
Uh, yeah, there's like a, there's a good amount of sunlight coming in from just a huge hole in one side of the cavern. So you like if you look out, you're basically looking out to see. Yeah. So um, this person is standing in the shadow and they step forward um, and in the shadow, they look like just like a normal, you know, it's like the figure of a human being. But when they step forward, you see the red crystalline um, coating, uh, this red crystal coating their skin. Um, and this is, uh, you know, like person they're like, what? 5'10", maybe average height, average weight, uh, just like a, a person you wouldn't look twice at at a bar. Um, but this is Yard the Sard. <laughs> I mean, do you want backstory or what? I mean, you uh, we can let backstory come out through through the rest of the game if you want. I would say, yeah, if there are any uh, notable features of Yard the Sard. Otherwise, if you're nope. if you feel he's, good. he's he's his most notable feature is that he's totally nondescript. That's very funny. He's a totally nondescript crystalline red man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was nondescript before the, the reddening. But do you know how Yard the Sard caught caught red crystalline play? I do. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, you Should I tell you right now? You do don't you have do to anything? share if you want to reveal that later. No, no, it's not. I, I mean, this is like uh, Yard. Yard was just like a he's just a guy, you know, like an unlucky guy. But he was just a normal guy. Uh, one night he was out with his boys at Scabbards. It was a guy's night, obviously. He got a little he got a little too twisted. And uh, so he you know, he's he's throwing him back. He's really going for it for some reason he cannot explain to himself. So he goes out to the alley outside Scabbards and, you know, throws up uh, and leans against the wall. He's like maybe going to light a cigarette or something. Um, and passes out and he comes to, you know, a, a, a nobody, like he doesn't know how long later. And he sees a person looking at him, a, like a person looking at him curiously. And he, he knows, he sees this like red man in front of him or this red person rather in front of him. And so he just like reaches out his hand. He's like, Oh, what's up, dude? Like he reaches out his hand for a shake and the sergeant sort of obliges They shake hands. And then yard passes out again against the wall. His friends wake him up. They take him home and he wakes up in his bed the next day, feeling a little, a little different, <laughs> a little tougher, a little redder. <laughs> a week later, he uh, walks out, Yard walks out of his apartment, a different man. He leaves everything behind but a note. And as he takes a last look at the surface, he realizes he's finally at peace. He has finally <laughs> found his purpose. Wow. <laughs> Yard. Well, standing next to yard is maybe yards polar opposite someone that you that would stick out at any bar um it is a, a woman six two long slender wearing a white blazer over her her red crystal skin and i mean the red skin seems so shiny on her it's actually wild compared to Yard's red shine. Hers is like brighter, but not brighter. It just is, is it's just giving an energy, you know? And um, she is not facing Yard, but kind of facing the opposite way as if she's addressing a crowd that doesn't exist. Just, and you can kind of hear what she's saying under her breath. It's like so important to serve the horde. You have to be serving the horde every day. If you're not serving the horde, who are you serving? I mean, this woman, Mercus, is literally, she's speaking your language. Yeah. Mercus takes a step forward after brushing himself off and goes, Team? Oh, are you here to serve the horde? 
I have a team, and he's scratching his head, and then is alarmed again that someone's scratching his head. <laughs> and at this moment, you all hear like the same voice at the same time, uh, and it's the one that you are familiar with, this high-pitched, kind of uh, cackling, um, celebratory voice. A loose arrangement of rats seems to come out of basically nowhere. Uh, they just emerge from these cracks in the wall and they start crawling all around you. Uh, and a couple of them just like hide in the pockets of. Uh, sorry, Shannon, what was your character's name? Oh, uh, Gwyneth. Gwyneth. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wow. Bold. Yeah, man. Good dig. It's a very good dig. Yeah. They like jump into the blazer and like hide in some of the pockets. Uh, and um, they hide Mercus in some of the crevices of your exosuit. Uh, and uh, Yard, they hide in whatever it is that Yard is wearing. Um, I If he's extremely nondescript, I'm picturing just like maybe like leather attache case, uh, shoulder, shoulder bag, like messenger bag just really blending in maybe some of maybe yeah. in his khaki pants like a <laughs> yeah i mean you, know, you can't really see his pants it's just it's you but you can't see his pants but it's clear he's wearing slacks uh and again he's covered in <laughs> you know red crystal like crystal legs he's you know he's not fashionable he's not unfashionable it's like a, he got dressed out of a box like a clothing <laughs> box that they send you every month to tell you what to wear yeah we've talked about bonobos on the show before right yes shouts to bonobos please sponsor us <laughs> please pay us pay us money Send us products. We can all wear shorts. <laughs> um, yeah, and maybe they like sort of hide in some of the red plate too. But the point is basically you have like some, you have some passengers. Each of you have passengers and each of you have uh, a representative of the horde uh, with you uh, to guide you and to help you on your journey. Yard and Gwyneth, you have been briefed in a similar manner uh, that uh, Mercus was. Uh, I'm just curious whether or not you, you as currently mind controlled uh, servants of the Horde might not consciously know this, but were your characters doing something specific when they encountered a horde of brain rats and got mind controlled? Yes. I mean, Gwyneth doesn't know this, but she was um, she was down by the water um, packaging some of the water into these fancy little bottles. Um, <laughs> she sells this. Uh, it's called Sard Juice. Um, and it's and just to get this straight. It's just water. It's just water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she sells it. She, she but she really believes in it. She I mean, at this point, she's talked about it so much. She really believes in it that really it can help bring out that that bright red in your skin if you put it all over your body. And if you consume it, well, then your insides are good, too. <laughs> and I mean, to look at her, no one would argue. No, exactly. I mean, who's to say it doesn't work? If it makes people <laughs> happy, I guess. I mean, is she taking advantage of people? Yeah. <laughs> but do they like it? Also, yeah. Also, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she was doing that when the, the when the brain rats got her. Uh, was Yard just doing extremely normal stuff? No, I mean he was already under. I mean he was already underground, right? Because he he yeah. turned red. Um, so I think he he was he was just like yeah. The exact same thing happened to him. 
uh, again, except it was brain rats instead of sards. <laughs> he was just he was just at the sard bar, was out yeah. back having a rough go, and then a, yep. a figure showed up and was like, "Hey, <laughs> yeah." It's never occurred to him to stop drinking, <laughs> <laughs> except for now, I guess. Yeah, you know, yes, he's, yeah. a, he's a brain rat guy. All right, he's a brain rat guy. Uh, I'm just picturing a T-shirt, like a, a university shirt that just says "Brain Rat You." Um, oh, yep, yep that's yeah. exactly. I mean, he's he's just normal, just you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so you all uh, have basically the same location um, implanted, imprinted in your brain. You know this strange concrete house that apparently this man is staying at. That you have to go like introduce to members of the horde so that they can become him so that they can then have a seat at this meeting that's happening. I think you all just all get the haziest sort of details about why this is important, but you just, you know, you got to find this person, you know, you have to like show him a bunch of rats. Uh, sure. Why not? Um, Marcus just uh, starts walking down this cavern path. <laughs> I think you all have a very good knowledge of the direction to head to head in. Uh, is there anything that you guys want to talk about as you traverse the underground of Grafa on the way to this strange location? Gwyneth is just saying aloud to no one, to love is to serve the horde. To live is to serve the horde. Just like these aspirational quotes, but it all ends with to serve the horde. I don't remember what I was doing, except for hey. I need to serve the horde. Just remember, serve the horde. Oh, I am Mercus who serves no, no, the no, no, horde. No, 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 nothing like that. Just serve the horde. It's simple. Serving the horde. Serve the horde. Think about it. Three words. And the three words everyone likes to hear. Everyone wants to hear that. And Mercus is kind of looking down at himself for the first time <laughs> since falling and noticing all these pockets. And he's like, what am I wearing? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, Jen, just to like metagame a little bit, I think uh, like as time goes on, like Mercus can start to remember like little things here and there. And like, I'll just you can just be in charge of that. Cool. Like, I won't make you roll for it, you know? You guys walk underground in Grafa um, to roughly the location, um, like, kind of directly underneath uh, where this uh, uh, cube house is. Um, and there is uh, a tunnel leading up um, that you know goes into some of the public sewers uh, that are around uh, Topside. Uh, and you know that it's going to get you out uh, in the open uh, near where you need to go, which is good because it's near where you need to go. Uh, and, like, Mercus, you don't have any problem with this but uh, once you start uh, to reach um, the exit of the holes uh, I think both Yard and Gwyneth would start to maybe get a little bit nervous about the prospect of going out in public as a Sard mutant uh, which is like not something that the Sard tend to do for a number of reasons they're considered scary uh, by a lot of the people who live on Grafa uh, and the Red Crystal Plague is also like pretty contagious uh, to other humans, at least. Uh, and so there's also this like kind of uh, hesitance to be around uh, uh, crowded places. So, I mean, do you are they do you think they just go for it? Are they going to is there some scheme that they have? Like, I mean, how much cover is there? I think you would all probably be roughly familiar with the layout of the city and you would know that you're going to be coming if you go out through the hole that you're in you're basically going to be coming up in the middle of a crowded boulevard like a market street essentially um, and that 
probably 75 or so feet away uh, across a kind of square, there is going to be some um, like greenery that you can duck behind and like that will provide some cover. But as far as where you're going to come out, it's like it's pretty open uh, and it's the most convenient way to get to where you need to go. Um, are there, is there anything that we could use as like, like, uh, I'm, I'm looking for like beach umbrellas. Are there any like big umbrellas or anything around? Yeah. So you want to say that you like sort of poke up, you're doing like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle style, like poke up the, yes. the, the manhole the cover can. to yeah. see what you can oh, yeah. see. Oh, yeah. Roll a D20. Okay. <laughs> I guess we're poking up in like an alley or something or. 20 nat 20 let's go for wow. real did you do did you do that yeah, in it's in roll 20 i'm gonna go look it. at wow. wow nat 20 <laughs> um not y- <laughs> been a while uh, since i rolled one of those yeah geez all right you <laughs> i'm just trying to think of what the most perfect thing i can give you is um, 20 umbrellas <laughs> yeah basically yeah you yeah, are in the umbrella factory <laughs> um, you poke up the manhole cover from where you're going to escape and, uh, you know, into what you know is a crowded market square. And uh, maybe you haven't been here in a while. Uh, maybe this is a special event of some kind. But you open the manhole cover and you are um, coming up through the direct middle of a merchant. Uh, and you can see the back of the sign that they have hung uh, on their stall, uh, which is out to lunch. Um, you know, be back soon. And uh, you are going, you are sh- uh, coming into a stall that is just entirely ponchos. <laughs> uh, of of all shapes, sizes, colors, and designs. Uh, so you can grab whichever poncho you like and you are perfectly covered uh, for your mm-hmm. uh, traversing the public. I think Yard is like, he, he looks at the ponchos and is like, functional. And, uh, decides then and there that he's going to change his style and become a new person so he he grabs a black poncho he's he's looking for he's he's decided that he is he has a hazy goal in mind and it is to become a cyber ninja (laughs) doesn't know what it is because like he's never conceptualized this before um but he just knows that he needs to pick the blackest blockiest poncho (laughs) and there is there is one there and it is tech wear as hell Oh, the horde looks good. Yeah. Serve the horde. Gotta look good. The uh the horde in your brain goes, Yes, yes, medium <laughs> top. <laughs> yeah, you like horde. that, right? Right. It's good. This is a change for me. I'm trying something new. I feel <laughs> a little anxious. Serving hordes, serving looks. <laughs> See, you're getting it. Now very, you try. Very good. Pick up a poncho. Uh Mercus looks around and grabs a uh, yellow one. <laughs> you have a a beautiful, bright yellow. It's basically like you're wearing a bumblebee. But it looks like one of those scary children in a horror movie. <laughs> Gwyneth is still struggling with, like, she's she's the last one to get out of that, you know, kind of manhole or wherever they were. <laughs> last one to kind of get out, realizes, okay, I'm going to have to do this poncho thing. She's just like, I have to do this for the horde. I have to do this for the horde. And she takes a white poncho and then puts her white blazer on out- outside the white poncho. <laughs> I'm picturing like tassels coming out through the sleeves, like through the yeah. out, near the wrist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, should, very good, very you good. have to see the blazer though on the outside. Yeah, I don't know that I would describe this as helping you to blend in. <laughs> so we're just gonna say that you sort of ride the wave of that D twenty <laughs> of that of that nat twenty that Bijan rolled. 
Oh, also she takes out, because she has a small purse, she takes out giant sunglasses that she puts on. Perfect. Uh, yes. Uh, invisible to the human eye now that you're wearing yeah. big sunglasses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, Gwen. I see. Looking good. Thank Looking very you. shiny today. I, really serving the horde. I thank you. I, I serve the horde. Shannon, the person, said that with such a meaningful look that, <laughs> that I am ready to serve the horde now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys make your way to this. You can sort of see it uh, through some tall trees uh, that are uh, ringing this boulevard, uh, the this blocky house. Uh, do you guys cross uh, cross the street and cross the square to head towards it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. No one pays you any mind. Um, you have uh, sufficiently disguised yourselves. Uh, Marcus, you don't really stand out to begin with, um, but uh, the Sard, uh, you know, you want to be careful. Um, and yeah, no one, uh, no one bats an eyelash. Um, you get to the grounds that this building is on and, um, you know, I think maybe there's like something in the back of your head, Marcus, uh, or maybe even, um, uh, Yard and Gwyneth like tells you that if this person is of importance, you're going to have to charm some guards or something, uh, or you're going to have to fight your way through some defenses. And when you get to the plot of land that this cube houses on there's no one there uh it's it's kind of just empty it's just a beautiful wooden staircase leading up to a large cherry wood looking door set of double doors uh in this concrete house very beautifully manicured uh um grass on either side uh, and like people milling around because it's nice it's afternoon uh, people are out but doesn't seem like there's anyone in the front of this place Marcus's nose twitches a second, getting a little bit of a flashback of another house, but it's not, it doesn't match the house that he's looking at. He has this very familiar, vague feeling of casing a joint, but he walks forward. <laughs> looking um, for the entrance yeah it's yeah there's a there's a like long low stairs uh that are very tightly grouped together uh there's like five or six of them that will lead up to this uh huge double doors um and you know as you walk towards it the horde is like yes, yes. <laughs> um so you know you're going to the right place merrick is knocks on the door <laughs> Um, it, you can hear it reverberate on the inside. Uh, it's like, it sounds like this, um, this building, uh, which is, I don't know, maybe like 75 feet by 75 feet, like 75 feet cubed. Uh, sounds like it's hollow. sounds like there's nothing else in there. It's just like a empty concrete cube. Hmm. Uh, he tries a door handle. It's unlocked. Oh, and he looks at both the sards and just pushes it open. Uh, do you go, does everybody go inside? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. When you go inside, it is, in fact, mostly empty. Uh, you just crack the door a little bit. You slide through uh, this tiny hole in the hole in the door. The doors are very tall. Ceilings tall. It's this big cavernous space. It's very dimly lit uh, just by uh, some uh, skylights in the top of it. Uh, it's only natural light. Yard, Gwyneth, this room is empty. This is just a weird, empty concrete house. I mean, there's like some stuff that's painted on the far wall or something, but like you don't know what that is. Like, it's definitely not stuff. It's just decoration. This place looks really expensive. Why is there nothing in it? And why are we here? I thought there was supposed to be someone here. Marcus, in your head, you get a very strong uh, shock of recognition. You don't know how you know this. You, you don't know where you learned it, but you know for sure 
that the weird black circle that's painted on the far wall in this house is a stiffworks. And do you know that you know how to use those? Yeah, Mercus walks forward with a hand outstretched toward this black disc. The horde goes here? And the horde goes here. And you start to be able to picture something that is very hard to explain. It's like a diagram that describes the collapsing of space and time between two points and a set of mental almost incantations that you can go through uh, that will make that happen. And you are pretty sure that if you do these things in front of this black dot, that something will happen. Yeah, he goes up to it and doesn't know the word for it, but makes a sound like, <laughs> and uh, do we know what kind of gate it is? Just for me to know. Yeah, what it's it is? Uh, it's the standard. Yeah, it's like a it's a provincial. So I think that's uh, what is that like? You roll d it's like d six grit or something. I always forget this. Provincial burn four grit and roll a reason check. Okay. Um, yeah, he reaches a hand to it and it makes this very familiar sound, but it's very new to him still. These little bloop bloop bloops. Roll one d twelve. Ew, we got a ten. Suddenly, the weird large room that you're in feels weirder and larger, and the horde in your head says. And urges you to just move forward into what looks like a just a black tunnel that has opened in the wall of this building. Yeah, he had his hand on it and it, you know, falls forward. And so he's a little off balance. And the horde goes in there. Yes, yes. You all hearing this strong encouragement from uh, the rats that are um, basically riding in your clothing. <laughs> Gwen steps right up to it. The Horde wants to test me, and I serve the Horde, and walks through. You, you serve the Horde? I also serve the Horde. Uh, and uh, Yard jumps, like, through directly behind Gwen. Uh, yeah, Mercus, with new resolve, uh, puffs up his chest and says, I serve the Horde, and walks <laughs> in. All right. You all pass through this strange tunnel. Uh, it feels like it's an infinite amount of space, though you feel very crowded until finally you feel as though there is, um, you feel as though you're in the widest open expanse that you've ever seen, but you feel somehow uh, like claustrophobic, like you're just passing through something that is both infinite and the eye of a needle at the same time. Um, and uh, you start to get a little cold. Uh, it gets a little chilly where you are uh, walking through this strange black tunnel that constricts and then expands until finally, uh, Gwen, you see it first and you're walking with such resolve. It's like, you know, you, you maybe even see it a little bit too late uh, before you can really stop yourself. Uh, you are walking onto a, I think you would know what this is, space station. You are about to step foot onto a, a hulk. You've heard of these 
large technological marvels that people who came long, long, long before you and like somehow managed to live in the sky, uh, like lived on um, sort of indefinitely. And yeah, wow, you are maybe the first Sard to ever step foot on one. I mean, what an accomplishment. One. Wow. You serve the horde. The horde has really served you. Uh, yeah. You know, who's serving who at this point? Um, <laughs> but there's and and you're sort of you know when you first step through your the first thing that you're struck by is the expanse of it. It's huge. It it just stretches out in front of you, flat as far as the eye can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, like someone has just built um like built a horizon out of all kinds of material that you don't even recognize and there are all of these little structures atop it and uh yard and mercus you start to see this as you come up behind gwyneth you see this huge technological expanse made of metal and electronics and wires and then you realize that you're not in a hulk you're on one on t- on top of one outside Whoa. outside of one you are you are untethered you are in space <gasps> you're in space you are oh in the gosh. vacuum of space um and can we breathe yes so luckily uh, a stiff works uh, that is open will maintain the atmosphere of the departure point for 10 minutes while it stays wow. open to avoid any shenanigans uh, so uh, as you all step onto the lip of it yeah you see a lot of things that sort of you have to deal with all at once one oh you're God. in the vacuum of space whoops two you can see Grafa there it is it's oh, it's far away <laughs> uh, but you're definitely looking down at the single continent of Kakudun. Uh, you are looking down at the whole planet. Um, you can see Grafa, you can see the main continent, and then you can see a surprise little island uh, that's off into the east that no one ever mentioned. Looks like there's other land over there unexplored. Maybe that's for later. And you see that the space station that you're on is not doing well. <laughs> um, maybe first evidenced by the fact that you're out in the vacuum of space. Um, oh. It looks like where you're standing uh, on the lip of this stiff works uh, that is thankfully maintaining atmosphere. It looks like there used to be some piece of structure here, a kind of hallway or something, and that this Stiffworks was at the end of it, but it has been destroyed. It's gone. Um, and you can see about a couple dozen meters away from you, straight ahead uh, from the Stiffworks, the airlock for the segment of, for the next segment of this Hulk. Uh, and you can see around it frayed, sparking uh, construction material. Or I guess it probably wouldn't be sparking in the vacuum of space. Frayed, like charred, ma- like building material. Uh, like this has just been knocked away or destroyed somehow. Uh, like it's just, it's just wrecked in this this segment of building has been removed. Um, you can see this is true of other bits of the Hulk that you can see in the distance, too. It, it looks like parts of it have just been wrecked and destroyed. If you want to get to the airlock, you're going to have to leave the atmosphere of the stiffworks that you're in front of. You're going to have to uh, cross the vacuum of space for a moment and survive that. Um, I will say, Mercus, I believe Mercus is currently wearing his company-provided exosuit. 
is. Um, I don't know. I think previously it was established that he had unzipped it and tied part of it around. His, yeah. So it's, it doesn't go around your head because it's maybe hanging by your butt. But sensing the change in atmosphere, your suit's bubble helmet closes. So if you look behind you, I think you ha- there's a closed bubble helmet uh, on your suit that has just engaged. Yeah, you hear this. And he, he just kind of uh, jumps as if something bit his butt. Uh, <laughs> no. Oh, hey. Maybe if the horde puts this on, and he starts like tugging on the on the rest of the suit to pull it back up over him. Yeah, you you get your suit on, and you so Mercus is fine. Mercus has atmosphere. I think Yard is. Uh, I think he's gonna dig through his pockets, uh, and I think he's gonna find some headphones and a music player, and he's gonna put in some headphones, put on some lo-fi chill beats, uh, <laughs> and he's just like, I mean, I'm made out of crystal. It's probably fine. Uh, I think he's just going to start sprinting. I mean, how's the gravity there? Yeah, it's low. So, I mean, yeah, so you... he's going to he's going to go as fast as he can and just dive forward. Yeah. Roll movement. I don't know physically whether or not this is literally possible, but I don't care because in my <laughs> mind, red crystal man jumping through the void of space looks rad as hell. Yeah. yeah. He like takes two bounds and then dives like as, as though he's diving off a diving board just forward. Let's see. Movement. Seven yard, you make it. You you stick it. Uh, it's like you were born to do this. I mean, he's 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 feeling very satisfied with himself. He got a cool outfit, you know. He's he's sort of you know he feels like he's he has a purpose. He knows what he's doing with his life. It's really like he's in a great mood. Gwyneth, um, Yard just sort of like shoulders you out of the way, the first person on the Hulk, and does this extremely balletic slow motion leap across this broken expanse of space station. Gwyneth is impressed by this. She also looks through her pockets, pulls out a bottle of star juice, looks at it, doesn't, isn't quite sure what it is. Is this horde? Is what she says. Uh, but feels it is important to her. So she drinks the star juice, which is just water. Um, <laughs> Again, want to stress. Just, just want to stress. It's just water. It's not anything. Um, and she says to Mercus, well, we'll jump. Uh-huh. And Mercus takes a few steps back um, and uh, runs forward and then uh, puts his arms by his side and his tail straight out like he's a little arrow um, so that he goes straight for the airlock, um, maybe toward any kind of control panel or fraying, spritzing thing. You can see very clearly um, on the door, on the um, airlock door, there's a little keypad uh, that's lighted with yellow blinking lights around it. So you you can head straight for that. Yeah, as he's floating straight through space for this little moment, he has a few flashbacks of uh, walking or falling through stiff work. And the image of a very beautiful green vat gnome. Is that a vat gnome? He doesn't know. He's looking at the keypad. Roll, uh, Gwyneth and uh, Mercus roll movement. Um, if you want to do it as a teamwork test, one of you can roll and then add that result to uh, the second one's roll, and then the second roll will count for both of you. Yeah, cool. be- because Gwyneth grabs. Ooh, Gw- yeah, Gwyneth grabs Mercus's hand before they ju- before oh. Marcus jumps and jumps okay. with Mercus. So then, Gwyneth, why don't you roll, and then Mercus can uh, add that result to his movement roll. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> well, well, I got a two. Oh, Mercus got a five. 
but together it's a seven. So let's say that Mercus by yourself, you would have overshot it by a mm. mile. You turned into a little arrow, you sort of like overcalculated, you were just gonna rocket right past it and Gwyneth. Well, she, uh, rather than jump, she really hopped. She didn't really understand the directions. So, yeah, so maybe Gwyneth, like, you really didn't give it your all, uh, and uh, really, maybe this is the first time that you've um, jumped in zero G, uh, yeah. and so, yeah, didn't really know what you're getting yourself into. Wouldn't have made it uh, close, would have fallen short by a long ways, but you balanced each other out. Uh, yeah, and you both managed to grab onto the outside of this airlock. Um, there's just, uh, there's like a single button uh, that you can press, and there's a little screen that pops up that's like, hey, are you sure? And then when you press that you're sure, it's like, like, hey, okay, but this is going to be dangerous for the people inside. Are, are you like, are you absolutely sure? Do you just like confirm all the all the confirmations? Yeah, Murgis is frantically doing this because they're just in space. <laughs> yeah, you're just hammering on this on this door. It slides open, um, and uh, there is like a huge rush of air out of uh, the airlocked interior of this Hulk um, that decompresses the chamber um, as uh, you enter. You can see there's another door, another um, like safety door closes at the end of the hallway that you enter inside of. Um, and uh, if you all go inside, the door that you opened closes behind you. Uh, there's like a lock and a hiss. Um, and there's now a little panel uh, that like a lighted panel comes up. Um, you, uh, you see a counter that's counting down and it's counting down the time uh, that it will take before the Hulk can be safely decompressed again. And it's counting down from 25 minutes, but you have all made it safely inside. Uh, is the Lord okay? <laughs> and Mercus is patting his suit. <laughs> roll, a, roll a d6. Got a two. Yeah, the horde's all right. Uh, they, they, um, you hear a sort of like uh, distant, maybe slightly more nervous than usual voice. That's like, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you inside this Hulk. Um, the walls are covered in readouts and storage panels and boxes. There's operation information. There's maps. It's like really, really dense with information. Uh, a lot of it is hard to read because there are no lights on. The only light that's coming from the Hulk is red. There's a dull red glow that's just pulsing, um, indicating, you would probably guess, some sort of emergency. Um, maybe the emergency is the broken piece of space station that you just crossed. Maybe it is that and other things uh, you do not currently know. A couple things of interest. There's the door that you saw close uh, that is now open again, now that everything is repressurizing, so you can see ahead of you. Uh, there is a map that indicates uh, what the next two chambers are that you can enter. Uh, and there is an open panel uh, on the wall to the right uh, when you enter. And there's like, it's like a storage container for some kind of doodad. Uh, and most of the doodads are gone. You can see empty slots where they used to be. Like, this is where they were charged. Someone roll a D8. Five. Luckily, there's still five of them left. Oh. Uh, they are labeled EMT, Emergency Management Tool. It sort of looks like a large, extra thick 
pipe wrench made of some very tough composite material. Uh, but one end, the like not grabby end, looks like it might be a flashlight. Um, and uh, the large handle on the side of it has a screen with a bunch of buttons. Uh, like it's got a sort of electronic menu. And on the other side, uh, embossed um, across it, is uh, what apparently is its slogan, which is, saves your life a thousand ways. Uh, anybody who wants an emergency management tool can take one. You don't know what it does or how it works, but uh, it seems like they're popular. Yeah. Yeah, a yard grabs one. Okay. Mercus also grabs one. Also Gwyneth grabs. Okay, they're heavy. Uh, you can scroll through the menus if you want. It seems like it has a million features. Uh, it can can kind of do any number of things. Mercus has a flashback of fiddling with something electronic and looking at a map. But he shakes it off. <laughs> yeah, you feel, Mercus, yeah, you feel very like when you're holding this thing, you're like, yeah, this thing's good. This is, I I feel good about having this. Uh-huh. Um, the map that you're looking at, uh, and also this is sort of reinforced by looking further into the horizon, tells you that the next quarters that you can go to are the Arboretum and the Crew Quarters. Where do you guys want to go? Where does the horde want to go? The horde is just chanting an introduction, an introduction. They don't know anything about uh, the layout of this space hulk that you're on. Introduction to the crew? So they may become horde? Um, Gwyneth feeling super confident in Mercus after Mercus basically saved her from falling into space. Yes, sure. Yes. Yes, you know how to serve the horde. Mm, let's find the crew and introduce them to the Horde. Uh, so you uh, go forward uh, through this hallway, through this dimly lit red hallway. If you want to turn on the flashlight end of your emergency management tool, uh, things are a little bit uh, better lit uh, and you can find your way. Um, you get to the end of the hallway and you can take a sort of, you can take a left fork and go to the Arboretum. You can take a right fork and go to the crew quarters. So you take a right fork and go to the crew quarters. Uh, you walk for maybe 10 feet and you go into this huge, wide, octagonal room giant very big um there are uh, two rows of bunks on each segment of wall uh, like a top bunk and a bottom bunk um and it looks well lived in it looks like you know people have um people have been here in fact uh there are people in here and they're all dead uh huh. there's they can't serve the horde there's a dozen or so people uh, about the room. Uh, some of them are slumped over on small tables that are in the center of this octagonal room. Some of them are asleep in their white bunks. Uh, some of them are seated in front of what looks like an entertainment center um, and uh, in the kind of like dull red glow of this ship, you can see they don't look right. They look kind of weird. Something about them looks strange. Do not introduce to the horde. No, no, they're dead. Gwyneth steps a little closer to one of the the bodies to try to get a better look. It's hard to tell because it's dim and it's red, but their skin looks gray and pasty, kind of almost milky, like someone dissolved ash in a bottle of milk. And they're kind of smoking like bits of their skin are kind of rising up off of their body and evaporating into the air. Roll movement. I did such a good job ro rolling movement last time. So let's see. 
<laughs> Did you roll? I got a three. Describe the location of this gray person that you are bending down to take a look at. Like, where are they? What position are they in? They're sitting in a chair with a with a book on their lap. It looks like someone has like sort of fallen asleep while reading. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's a book on their lap and their hands are kind of uh, crossed casually on their lap. And as you're bending over to get a closer look at them to see what they're, what, why, what's going on, what the deal is, a gray blue hand rockets up from their lap and <gasps> grabs on to your throat and <gasps> starts squeezing and their eyes pop open and you see just this weird gray milky um like just mirror of eyes and it starts they start hissing at you and they're just looking at you grabbing your throat squeezing going <laughs> and uh they're gonna roll combat to try to bite you oh okay roll movement again okay again i am a star at rolling movement i got another three Damn. Oh, this weird space zombie rolled a nat one. Um, <laughs> it, it opens its mouth. It's grabbing under your throat and it opens its mouth to seemingly try to take a big bite out of your face. And its jaw just falls straight off and its head disintegrates into a pile of ash. Uh, and its hand separates uh, from its elbow and is just dangling from your throat like a nice choker that you're now wearing. Get it? And um, uh, the pressure releases and the hand drops to the ground, but you start to hear a bunch of rustling happen now in this room, uh, like the other people, quote unquote, who are here are starting to wake up. Looks like Not they have their own horde, doesn't it? Not our horde. Gwyneth is backing away, dusting the like ash off of her white outfit. Yeah, this, uh, I don't, I don't know if we're supposed to introduce to thee. <laughs> okay, we have our answer. It's time to check another room. Uh, uh -huh. And Yard just keeps, just walks out. <laughs> Not bothered, just like, eh. <laughs> Probably don't need to know anything about that. Um, Mergus is looking down at the keypad of the weapon that he's holding. Does anything remind him of anything? Roll reason. It got a five. I mean, that one looked pretty brittle. Uh, this thing is heavy. Uh, maybe if you just, like, smacked them, they would disintegrate? Mm -hmm. And Mercus just looks up to see if they're getting up to pursue them. Yeah, uh, uh, probably like two or three of them are slowly raising. Like one of them that is in a bunk is trying to get out and jumps down from the top bunk and lands and just lands and disintegrates into a pile of dust. But a couple other ones are like slowly standing up and kind of starting to like sh shamble in your general direction. Mergus, uh, <laughs> like, he just takes a, a stance and is, like, holding this this weapon in both hands, like, bring it on. <laughs> um, has Gwyneth backed away? Gwyneth has backed away and is also going out, is also going out the door. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, Marcus, she had too much contact. <laughs> uh, Mergus, they're, like, coming towards you. They seem very threatening. Uh, they're weird, hissing semi-dead bodies, um, but like one of them that's shambling towards you, uh, like its foot disintegrates as it's trying to walk um, and is like now hobbling even sl even more slowly. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you can do what you want. Um, I think you, you would get the strong sense that if you wanted to run around and whack all of them with your wrench, they would probably fall apart and not be able to get you. Um, uh, if you wanted to leave, like who knows what's going to happen. 
Yeah, Merc is, um, yeah, Mercus is gonna go forward into the fray and, um, sort of swing the thing with both hands like a hammer throw. Yeah, roll combat. Got an eight. You managed to dispatch every moving weird space zombie very easily. The last one is like a pool cue, just like, pa right through the head. Uh, it's very satisfying. It um, evaporates. There's like a, a, a dust cloud where it used to be. And he's just alone with this dust settling in the middle of a room, <laughs> posing with this weapon. <laughs> no one was here to see that. <laughs> the, the horde saw that, right? Yes, it was <laughs> 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 And he like <laughs> puts his weapon under his armpit and like walks out. <laughs> Yard and uh, Gwyneth, when you leave uh, the crew quarters um, and you go, I'm assuming you're going to go, are you going to go to the Arboretum? Yes. Uh, Okay. So you go to the Arboretum and it is very different. It's a very different vibe in here. It's basically a jungle. Uh, Like it's a beautiful, well-kept garden. Um, Just huge plants, wide leaves. It's very uh, humid in here. It's still uh, lit red. There's still this dull sort of pulsing glow. Very crowded, very nice. Marcus takes his, his helmet off and pulls his exosuit down and feels happy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's it's like basically made for Mercus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he like stands up straight and is not sure if he should smile or not. So he's just, his face is just crooked. He's just like, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> they make their way through the Arboretum somehow. Gwyneth is, is uh, pulling her straight blonde hair back into a ponytail because it's starting to curl with the humidity. <laughs> you had hair this whole time. Yes, I had hair. <laughs> uh, what uh, what order? Because it's a single file. There's a skinny pathway through this uh, kind of. I like think yards in front. Space jungle. Okay, yards in front. Marcus is last. You're walking through this, trying to see what comes next after the arboretum, and you kind of start to smell this like bad. Kind of starts to smell like sulfur. I uh, like this gr- really gross scent. Uh, you're like not sure if it's the plants or what, and then. Very suddenly, Yard, directly in front of you, a figure appears. There is kind of like a hissing sound and then a pop and then it smells very strongly of sulfur. And there's like, yeah, a floating person, question mark. It's like seven or eight feet tall. Definitely has a head, uh, but in the place of a face, uh, it's kind of like a black, smooth honeycomb. Uh, and it looks like it's wearing a bizarre cape or or cloak kind of thing. That's like dark, dark, dark red. Where it should have legs, there's instead just this swirling mist, like millions of little particles just kind of moving all around. And it speaks, which I guess means somewhere in there, there must be a mouth. Hello. Thank you for announcing your presence so obviously. Have you arrived to assist in my dispatch of the usurper from the homeland, or are you, too, his assistants in search of their end? I would like a response, please. Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, we don't know where we are. Where do you think you are? We didn't think. We serve the Horde. We serve the Horde. Hmm. When you say the Horde, what is this Horde? The Horde is everything. Uh, and in your brains, you hear the, a very familiar chant. It's like home. It's like your favorite song. It's like your favorite song just came on the radio. Uh, just by chance, you happen to be in the grocery store and they're playing your favorite song. And it's... And the figure that's floating in front of you goes, Who are these tiny animals that... No. No. 
No, I, no, I will do no such thing. No, no. <laughs> Mercus no, is I, pointing at himself and going, "The horde." No, I don't. No, I don't know who or what this horde is. I serve only the patriarch, the great and final king of the empire. No, no. Okay. I, no, no, I will not. No. And then it sort of like shakes a little bit and looks at you and says. Your animals are cute, but bothersome. If you wish to assist, please kill the usurper who is currently hiding from my scans like a coward, rather than choosing to die honorably at the hand of those who may best him. Who is the usurper? The usurper, yes. Who is that? The one who improperly has gained access to the homeland. America scratches his head. (laughs) Listen, we're here to make introduction... And now you want us to kill the usurper? Yes. And then he disappears. It just, like, there's a poof of gas and he's gone. Well, he seemed nice. Well, would be Uh, nicer if he served the horde. Much nicer. If you guys, do you guys keep walking straight? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That guy should serve the horde. So you get to the end of the Arboretum and there's a door that just says relocator room. If you go into the relocator room... It's another uh, octagonal room, but it's much smaller. There are basically small lighted pads on the floor, uh, and the lighted pads have labels on them. Um, And uh, there are, like, some that are glowing red uh, and some that are glowing uh, like a dull blue. Uh, And the ones that are red uh, are labeled things like medical, armory, restricted, R&R, hygiene, transit works, Uh, And the ones that are glowing blue are labeled C.O. Wing, Library, and Lab. Hmm. Well, it seems we have a choice. Oh. So we should probably go to the rooms that are blue, I would think. Seems correct. Hord, what do you think? And uh, Yard, uh, like, shakes his sleeve and, like, looks at a rat. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like this whole thing is very Ratatouille. Yeah. 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 No, it is. We we did a Ratatouille episode. That's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Horde, again, has no opinions about where it is just chanting about an introduction um, and is like very disappointed at that mean man that didn't want to serve the Horde uh, <laughs> and just like disappeared out of nowhere. Mm. Yard gives the rat a smooch and then shoves it back up his sleeve. <laughs> the lab? Let's you go think- to the lab. Let's go to the lab. Because again, Gwyneth still has a lot of faith in uh in Mercus especially after you know sh- she didn't see Mercus destroy all those powder people <laughs> but he's covered in a light layer of powder <laughs> exactly so she assumes something went down okay so there's room for one person at a time uh on the pad uh so who goes first uh yard steps up yard uh steps on the relocator platform uh and uh starts to feel a weird tingle and then just is somewhere else uh you were at one point looking at a room full of pads uh, full of lighted pads um and you are now uh in what looks like a science facility of some kind uh you see um a bunch of uh, large like boxes with robotic arms lined up along one wall uh, there are a lot of instruments um on a pegboard on another there's a bunch of manuals um in a uh like in a shelf a bunch uh, above some like beakers and test tubes and things and there's also a flaming hole in the wall next to your head where someone has just fired a laser rifle um and there is a man in this room and he is huge 
he is a non-human. He's got a big injury across his chest. Um, he's got like this big sort of like burning slash. Uh, and uh, he looks at you and he says, Who are you? Oh, hello. I'm Yard. You, uh, you, and he like sort of focuses and like realizes who's, who he's talking to. And he says, are you, oh my God, did Shifty send you? Did he, I know that he works with a lot of, um, you know, uh, you, you people. Are you here to help? Are you, uh, yeah, you're the, this is the person we're supposed to meet. This is a thousand percent the man that you are supposed to meet. Ah, yes. We are here for you. Yes. We're here for you. Oh shit, another, oh my god, he sent the cavalry, yes, yeah, okay, this, my day just got a lot better, you guys have no idea what I have been through, Jesus Christ, Merc is or whatever the contextual, <laughs> whatever the contextually appropriate Jesus Christ exclamation would be. Mercus appears with a rat on his head. <laughs> <laughs> Introduction? In, interesting, an interest. Okay, interesting choice. I, the little one I was not so suspecting, uh, but I assume that Shifty has a reason for everything. Listen, I, I'm assuming that because you guys are alive, you have not caught up with the Padre yet. There's the floating guy walking around talking about usurping and the, the homeland or whatever. Oh, oh, we saw him. That mean. You saw him. That mean man that did not want to serve the horde. Oh, my, the horde. The horde. And Mercus steps closer. <laughs> What are you, and in your minds, in your minds, you hear a rising chorus of, <laughs> he looks like he's thinking really hard about something, like he's confused, and he goes, oh yeah, the horde, yeah, yeah, uh, hold on, I'm gonna have him roll for it. <laughs> and to just be clear, we didn't find the, we didn't see the usurper yet. He is the usurper. <laughs> he's the usurper. Yeah, he's the only guy on this. He's the only one <laughs> left, oh, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, we basically have to get this guy out without him dying. Uh, you're talking about serving the Horde, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And then kind of shakes it off, and is like, no, not right now. Not right now. I, I We got we to gotta figure this out first. Um, I mean, which one of you is like the engineer or whatever? Gwyneth stares into space. <laughs> Mercus stands up straight and is just and tilts his head, still with a rat on top. And he like he taps uh, at a thing that's at his feet. Now you sort of realize, like, man, like this guy is big. This is like a this this person is huge. Like this is definitely Mercus, the like the unhuman man that flashed into your brain, the wide nose, the like big bulbous cheeks, the high and tight haircut. Uh, He's wearing very nice slacks. You saw him in a triple breasted suit, but he appears to have uh, gotten rid of the suit coat uh, pending, you know, whatever sort of disaster he's gone through. But he's also scared. Like he's big, but he's also worried about something. And he taps a thing that's at his feet. It's this sort of soft glowing, uh, a cone almost. Uh, it's maybe like about the size of a, a bucket of paint. And he says, uh, I- I've been using this uh, to hide from him, but uh, I mean, I don't really know that much about it. Uh, like the guys sometimes carry it when we're rockside. Boss makes me have one in case like, you know, something weird tries to get the drop on us, it, like uh, like hides us from stuff. Uh, but it's blinking now. And I, I think that's bad and I, I came here I mean I figured like I don't know there might be something in the lab to make it work for longer I, I just I think it's run out of batteries but I think it's basically the only way that I can like h- hide from that guy unless he s- sees me with his eyes and I've just been lucky mm. do, hold on do any of you know how to use a stiff works at the mention of battery Mercus puts a finger up and says I 
think I know what a battery is. Stiff works. What's a stiff work? And while while Marcus is going through all of this and his head is slowly coming together, Gwyneth, without saying anything, pulls a a bottle of her juice out of her pocket and just pours it on 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 the thing. He looks he looks at you like like you've just done something completely incomprehensible. And she and she doesn't know why she did it, but she feels good about it. Oh God, they they. They sent the C crew. Ah, <laughs> damn it, damn it. And he starts like pulling as many things as he can out of uh, the cabinets in front of him. He's just like looking for something, anything. Stiff work. Is that the thing we came in through? Yeah, pro- probably. Oh, yeah. I can open those. What? You, okay. You Can you fix this? Uh, maybe. And he, Marcus bends down and uh, just kind of looking at it side to side. Does he remember anything about anything? Roll reason. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Certainly knows more than Gwyneth, I would hope. He got another five. Just rolling fives today. Uh, it's probably got a thing in it that takes power, and the power is low, um, and it looks like it's getting lower, and that's probably bad. So it needs to go higher. And Marcus starts looking around the room for anything, uh, that could have any power source. He's leading with his nose. <laughs> yeah, let's roll Will this time, uh, because it's, like, more embodied than it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he got a two. Ooh, not rough. good. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here, and you don't know what any of it does. Um, like, there's big, weird machines. Uh, there's, like, a bunch of computer terminals. Uh, this guy's just, like, pulling stuff out of cabinets. Oh. I think you guys have a couple seconds left. Uh, this thing is now, like, blinking very, very quickly. You don't know what's going to happen when it turns off, but... <laughs> Yard is just like, well, should we go? We haven't made introduction. I'm trying to think of anything that my character has to help out with this but <laughs> yeah Mercus also just starts looking through the cabinet you throw open a cabinet and inside there's a thing that is like whirring you open this cabinet and it's hot you're like hit with a blast of very hot air oh. uh, and you can see that it has a, a like a readout on it like a circular readout that's um red all the way to the left and uh, yellow all the way to the right and it's green in the middle and there's a little uh, needle and the needle is in the green section and there's um, a a sort of text readout that just says reactor nominal. Can Mercus like disengage something from it? (laughs) Yeah, roll. I'm going to give you one more chance to roll reason. Yeah. (laughs) Oh God. Otherwise... Oh, no. <laughs> I got a one. <laughs> the dice are not in our favor tonight. You are like, yeah, how hard could it be? This is clearly something that is power related. He just grabs it, not yeah. thinking that it might be still connected to anything. Yeah, you basically pull out like like a core of some kind. Uh, you pull out like a central power unit uh, that is powering this segment of the hab. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and there is a loud beeping sound. Um, Albanto looks at you and he's like, oh my God, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? And then uh, the thing that's at his foot starts blinking very, very quickly and then goes bright and then turns off and immediately 
the floating guy shows up. Uh, oh, hello uh, again. As soon as that thing turns off and he says, Ah, hello. Yes, the usurper. How nice of you to announce your presence. Would you like to fight to the death? Ha ha ha. Just kidding. You don't have a choice. And Mercus uh, holds up the, the thing that he grabbed and says, Introduction! An arm ejects from underneath the cloak of the floating guy and this intense blue blade, uh, like... It's hard to describe, like this intense blue light sword cuts through the air and it even leaves like a gash of blue light that slowly fades uh, like seconds after it cuts through the air. And you hear in the dark as the lights go off uh, when Mercus pulls the core out, the fire of a laser uh, of a laser rifle and the swipe of this strange blade. And you hear... Um, uh, Albanto grunting, and you are all just sort of like caught in this fracas. Um, you're all like sort of pushed around as Albanto tries to leave and tries to run for the relocator uh, pad. Uh, and you hear he's successful. Uh, there is a zap as he jumps on the relocator pad, uh, and um, the uh, the this floating figure who Albanto named as Padre disappears as well. Where where what room locator were that? There's only one in this room and it brings you back to the relocator room. Gwen runs towards where they the relocator and was like, introduction's not done yet. Marcus drops the core and says, yeah, we need to make this introduction and he walks toward the relocator pad. Yeah, you are just false. And they relocate. Uh, you head back into the relocator room and you can hear uh, back in the Arboretum, back towards the Arboretum, uh, the sounds of like grappling and fighting. Uh, do you head towards them? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, you see Albanto doing his best uh, to try to fight off the very fast, very scary attacks uh, of uh, this floating Padre figure. It seems like the only thing that is working is he's just kind of like firing indiscriminately a laser rifle inside of a space station, uh, which is extremely dangerous. And he's he must be very, very good at his job because he is landing every shot and is keeping this figure from advancing on him and slicing him in half while it just goes on and on about the usurper and the homeland. How far is the floaty man from the ground? Four feet. Four feet. And what's immediately around us? A bunch of plants. A bunch of plants. It's dark and there's a bunch of plants. Uh, yeah, Mercus scales one of the trees in there so you can get a, a bird's eye view. Yeah, I think Yard is going to call out to the man, uh, the floating man. Hello, uh, could you could you not do that? <laughs> we need to talk. We need to make an introduction, Marcus says from high up. If you do not make an example of usurpers, then there will be more usurpers. Sure, that makes sense, but could you give us a few minutes? No. Gwen rips a plant from out of the ground and throws it at the floating man. Uh, it hits him in the back and, and bounces off as he zips about the room. <laughs> Damn, I was going to try to... That's not on our combat. It's not something... No. Yeah, I'm going to give it to you that a plant hits him in the back. <laughs> um, um, does it look like Albanto's about to lose? Is he going to lose the fight? Um, it, he's definitely getting tired, and it's definitely taking, like, 
you know, in game terms, every ounce of his grit to continue landing shots uh, to keep this guy at bay. Uh, Yard calls out to Albonto. Albonto! Uh, yeah. Um, hey, if you guys have any ideas, uh, I, I could use them. Would you like to leave? Yes, please. Wonderful. And a yard just starts walking to the exit. <laughs> <laughs> Mercus is in the tree looking at the touchpad on, or the keypad on the, the weapon um, mm-hmm. and fiddling around with it. Does he find out anything else that it can do? Um, roll reason. An eight. Great. Roll a D100. Whoa. Okay. 28. <laughs> Okay, hold on one sec. You have a table for this? <laughs> yeah. Roll a D30. Oh my God. 23. Nice. Roll a D20. And a 16. <laughs> wow, you're doing very well. Roll a D20. Oh my God, what? Wow. Three. Great. <laughs> okay. Oh no. Um, you are scrolling through frantically on um, this like little knob that's on the side of this readout screen, looking for the first thing that makes any sense that could be useful. And there's stuff like, you know, it says like level, hammer, laser, laser pointer, a different kind of level, three, three-dimensional <laughs> level, laser wrench. And then the next one uh, after like coffee filter, <laughs> teaspoon measure is military grade force field. Oh. <laughs> Do you select that? Yes. Uh, you push the little button and it says, enter dimensions. <laughs> well, be, by default, Mergish just says five by five. Uh, you enter in five by five and you push the button and out in front of you grows a five foot by five foot yellow curved force field Whoa. that at least to understand the description that was on the readout is military grade, whatever that means. Um, and whenever you, wherever you move this tool, the force field basically, you know, keeps it directly in the middle, uh, and it is essentially weightless. Yeah, Mercus dives forward into the air toward the fight, hoping that maybe he'll encounter the floating guy. Uh, roll movement. An eight. You tell me what happens. Yeah, Mercus is just seeing the flash of red go by every now and then and hearing the laser pistol go off. He's not worried about the laser pistol because he's got this force field. And so he's just hoping that he bumper cars into the red guy. Uh, And yeah, you jump off of whatever tree you climbed to get a better vantage point and you head towards the direction of the fight and you whack him straight in the back of the head Uh, and you connect and you push him off to the side further into the crew quarters um, and uh, he is very irritated. He exclaims, Ow, no, I am trying to stop the usurper, something we should all be interested in. We should all hate usurpers. No one likes a usurper. Mercus says he's flying forward to serving the horse. <laughs> yeah, I guess Yard realizes he, Yard is walking to the exit and realizes that no one's following him. So he turns around uh, and I think he's uh, gonna, I don't know. I think he'll, he's going to run to Albanto and just grab him and try to forcefully bring him uh, to the exit. Yeah, roll combat. <laughs> Our combat's actually pretty high. Hold on. <laughs> uh, yeah, the sword combat is very oh, high. Oh, it's a three. Oh, no. <laughs> you are pulling him and pulling him, and he's resisting, but he's not, he's not like, stopping you. He realizes what you're trying to do, but he's not disengaging from this, um, from the Padre. Uh, he's just continuing to look at it I and think, continuing to fire. I think Yard is going to then try intimidation to get him to follow. Yeah, roll it. Um, yeah. Love what, it. Is that, that's charm? Charm plus three. Oh, uh, that's a 13. That's like a nat 10 plus three. Ooh. 
Whoa. His his is a 12, so he can't beat it. What do you say to him? Albanto, it's time to go. The Horde requires your presence. The Horde? I don't give a shit about the Horde. And as he says this, the Padre, who has just been bumped into the crew quarters, extends his light sword and just starts slashing through the walls of the crew quarters and says... If we cannot have the homeland, no one can have the homeland, and the homeland will be destroyed, and with it, the usurper. And it's just like going ham on the space station. You can feel the oxygen starting to leak out of the hulk that you are on, and Albanto turns back to you and looks in your eyes, and then looks into the eyes of the rat that's poking out uh, from behind your head on your shoulder and says, Yeah, okay, how do we leave? Let's get out of here. Um, Excellent. Marcus lands and um, kind of rolls up next to them, holding this force field. It's like, I think I can hold him off. <laughs> Stop shooting now. Marcus makes a protective barrier around them, five feet by five feet. Gwen, who has been overhearing the conversation, seems like an introduction, could be made soon, but we have to get out of here, says, you know, Marcus, it would be incredible if we could serve the Horde and you could direct us towards the, what was it called? Stiff work, stiff, stiff work? Oh yes, back here. And uh, he leads the way, um, holding the force field in front of them. I have some bad news. Uh-oh. Padre rolled to, rolled combat to destroy the force field uh, with his sword to cut through it. And Padre rolled the highest that he possibly could. Oh my. Which is 50. Holy shit. Nat 50. <laughs> he, he nat, he nat 50 <laughs> Damn. Holy that's shit. A good, that's a good sword swipe. So I think here's what happens. Yeah. Uh, you, Mercus is trying to hold him back, like pushes him back, feels very emboldened uh, and is successful in keeping him in the crew quarters. Um, and then Gwyneth says, you know, like lead us out of here, get us, get us back. And Mercus goes to the front of the line and starts, gets in front of everybody, is trying to protect everyone and is going back through the Arboretum, going through the entry hallway that they were in and... Padre materializes, not in front of you, but above you, in the midst of the crew, and slices through several things at once. We are bound by cannon here, so like Mercus can't lose a limb, which is kind of what I want to happen. Uh, I think if we had played this in order, Mercus would have lost an arm and we would have had to deal with that. And there would have been some very fun conversations between Mercus and Oat. About weight and arms, yeah. We will imagine that the other, you know, universe that that takes place in. The force field is broken completely in half, Mm. uh, is just completely destroyed. The hallway that you're in, the airlocked hallway that you're in is also (gasps) completely destroyed. It is opened like a can. It is just fully cut through all the way around as he swings his blue sword in a big clockwise motion. Yard and Gwyneth roll movement. You can't beat 50, yeah. but we I want to see just in your own like difficulty meter how well you do. Oh, man. Two. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, well, I got a I got a I got five. 
versus 50. So, um, take that. Mercus, the heat from the sword, uh, it doesn't touch you, but it, uh, it burns you. You get burned all along your back. Your clothes are all burned, um, and I would just say take like D twelve damage. Yeah. Eh, make it D twenty. Take Whoa. take D twenty damage. Thirteen. Ooh. Yard and Gwyneth. Yeah. Damn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I can I ask one thing? Yeah. Would I? Is this gonna? Is this going to hurt? You know the person we're supposed to make the introduction. Albanto rolled a four, oh. so he also, unless something happens, is going to get sliced somehow. Is there enough time for um, Gwyneth to see this and and do soak and do soak on um, on Albanto? El- yes, if you have a power that lets you do that, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So she sees the attack coming. You know, cause she's on. Of the swipe, she's like a little bit farther away and sees what's going to happen, knows that the horde is not going to be happy about this, and she serves the horde. The horde is life. The horde is love. Who are you if you're not serving the horde? And does soak to Albanto so that she takes the damage. Gwyneth takes 43 damage. Holy moly. Jesus. One-shotted. She shatters. Oh. No! What happens right? to the rats? What happens to the rats that were on her person? They probably uh. scatter and get into my, like yards pockets. <laughs> yeah, there's a the blue sword spins around in the small contained area of the hallway and at the last moment Gwyneth is able to see that she can take one step and block Albanto from being hit uh, in this in this whirlwind uh, slash and just just takes a blue glowing fission sword right into the chest and yeah rip rip peace Gwyneth but you know her her um her juice will live on let's be honest (laughs) sard juice (laughs) is forever um the rats that were in her blazer uh, scurry out and one of them crawls up Mercus's leg and yeah, one of them hitches a ride. One of them like careens through the air and just lands very delicately uh, on Yard. Um, and uh, though he doesn't have a face, uh, you can sense that Padre is very irritated. You are now also in a rapidly decompressing chamber. And you are entering back into the vacuum of space. Uh. I think uh, Yard is going to take an attack on the uh, floating dude. Yeah, do it. Because uh, Yard sees Gwyneth and is like, well, it's time to serve the horde. <laughs> uh, <and Rip> Gwyneth. <laughs> he's going to use, he's going to, he's going to burn to grit and use maximize, which uh, it, if you hit your attack, you inflict maximum damage. Okay. Um, so let's, let's mark that on the sheet. Um, and he's going to use red Hulk smash. Uh, it's an unarmed combat roll. Uh, he rolled a nine. Padre rolled a, 20, a 29 to dodge. Holy okay. moly. Uh, yeah, so Yard steps up and he, you know, puts his hands together and aims, sort of jumps forward and misses. Oh. Padre just uh, disappears in midair, uh, just evaporates essentially and rematerializes uh, on the other side of the group uh, and says, You are really making it very hard to destroy the usurper. Can, oh, can oh. Mercus start remembering a power or two? You tell me. <laughs> yep, absolutely. 
I think this is exactly the kind of harrowing event that would unlock someone's mutant superpowers. Yes. Um, With the burns uh, crawling up his back, Mercus is shocked into remembering another time a a Hulk was on fire and he's had to dive. Um, (laughs) So he just springs into action. He kind of does a backflip to get behind Albanto and and he wants to push him forward, kicking through space. Um, So he wants to dive, which is the getaway power. Yeah, like the all-purpose Banshee getaway. Like, this is a sticky situation and we just need to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you burn grit and you can pay to bring people with you, right? Exactly. And because Albanto is large, he has to pay double the price. So he is burning about... 18 grit here. Whoa. Yeah. Um, this really explains why Mercus showed up so tired and battered the next morning. And he is at, um, he's going to burn, uh, let's see, he's going to burn three more on top of that. He's going to burn like, yeah, 21 grit total so that he can uh, boost his roll. Um, so he got a 10. It happens. <laughs> I think that's just a success, yeah. right? Yeah, you have to, you roll over a threshold and 10 is definitely over the threshold. Yeah. Wait, he, so so Yard is not in the equation? No, Mercus does not have enough strength. Uh, well, Mercus <laughs> dives and abandons Yard? He's not abandoning him. He's just behind <laughs> Albanto. Like his feet are like fins just sort of propelling him forward toward the stiff work. Uh, yeah, you are pushing Albanto towards the stiff work and you see he does not know uh, you know Mercus's helmet closes again uh, and uh, you are protected from the vacuum of space Albanto does not know what to do he's like gasping and uh, he's um, you can see his like skin is turning blue and you you are just moving through space uh, away from the like X slashing motion that Padre is um Uh, doing at your backs as you're trying to get away, trying to kill who he has, for some reason, identified as the usurper of the homeland, whatever that is. And uh, yeah, Yard, uh, these two people seem to be on their way out. Um, Your... One of your partners exploded into a hail of red crystal that is now just returning to space dust, which in a way is beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful red glitter. I think Yard uh, puts his headphones back in, sits on the ground and starts listening to some beats. He's just like, he's he's given up. He knows he's not making it back. Aww. (laughs) For the Horde. As you sit down, the rats that are riding you um, abandon ship and start heading towards Mercus and Albanto. Yeah, so Mercus is floating forward very slowly in space with rats trailing behind him. (laughs) (laughs) So he reaches a hand forward as they approach the stiff work to attack back in. Roll movement. Mm, Oh my god. Please don't fail this. Fuck, he got a two. In Still Fleet, the tie goes to the aggressor, which in this case is Padre. No! You are slowly, balletically, beautifully careening through space, heading towards the Stiffworks, a trail of rats behind you. The Padre behind the rats, swinging his sword, cuts two of the rats in half, and they (laughs) dissipate. They just sort of turn into smoke in space, and he's slashing, and you are pulling out in front of Albanto, climbing along his giant back to get to the Stiffworks first so that you can open it, and he's slashing and he cuts off one of Albanto's feet. (gasps) He just cuts right through one of his feet. And Albanto wordlessly 
in space. His mouth gapes wide <laughs> open. It's basically a spin stiff work, so you can just spend two grit and it will open if you have two grit. Yeah, Marcus has two grit. He's just going to spend it. It it opens and there is a rush of atmosphere from the other side uh, and Albanto gasps <gasps> and screams at the top of his lungs, which I'm not going to mime because no. I have neighbors. And uh, you float, you maintain gravity in the Stiffworks and you float through. The Padre does not follow. <gasps> you have left the homeland. <laughs> and he does not protect things that are not the homeland. Um, you thud onto the floor uh, of the strange concrete building on the top side of Graffa. Albanto is bleeding. There's a pool of blood. Neither of your red friends have survived the journey. <laughs> yeah, Yard is just there with Padre, and he's just watching the uh, watching the sunrise from space over Cockadoo. Oh wow! <laughs> Padre is like, I appreciate your dedication to the homeland. <laughs> wow. Yard nods. Wow. And he suffocates to death, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Mercus takes off his helmet and uh, shakes off the rats and, and just says very quietly, introduction. Yes, yes. And the rats, um, there's, uh, I think by, by my count, I've been keeping like unofficial count. I think there's three left, uh, which... <laughs> I think, yeah, like, I think you went with eight um, and um, they crawl on Albanto's chest and they kind of like s just sit there in a line chittering and he is um, like grabbing at his leg and he's breathing really heavily. You can tell he's like, this man has been in extreme pain before and he knows what shock is. He's like grasping at his belt, trying to get it off of his waist and he's reaching down and he's trying to put it around his ankle. Um, and he does this and the rats are chittering and he finally like lays back and he lets out this sigh and he goes, <sighs> and it's the first time that you haven't seen him like clenching his jaw, furrowing his brow. And he goes, okay, so this horde that you guys serve, like what, I guess that does sound like a pretty good deal. Like what, uh, how do I, like, how do I get in on that? Marcus, uh, Marcus says, uh, come with me. I don't, uh, I don't think I can stand up. Oh, well, he, he looks at the rats. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> and you can tell he's like confused. Like he, he, like, he doesn't know what, he doesn't really know what's going on. He's like, but, um, I guess, yeah, like, uh, <clears throat> um, serve the horde. Serve the horde. The fog kind of like begins to clear from your brain. Uh. Uh, it's not fully gone, but you sort of feel like you can think a little bit more clearly and you feel like, you know, like, oh, yeah, you were on Graffa for like some pirate stuff. Where am I? He doesn't know anything about this cement house. <laughs> The, the voices that, that you've been listening to in your head are like celebratory. They're ecstatic. You have done exactly what has been asked of you. Yes, yes. I thought you forgot your name. You are successful. You will return to the machine. I am successful. And Mercus, even though he's pretty haggard, it does his best to do a happy march back down. Uh, <laughs> oh buddy 
yeah, you if you go back the way that you came or like if you go down the stairs to the side of Graffa, like, you know, you get back into the holes. Um, we can say that like the rats will know that you're there. They'll pick you up and shepherd you through all of the maze of tunnels in Graffa back to the cavern where you originally spoke to uh, the Rat King. Um, and when you are in audience with the Rat King again, um, the voice is much clearer, much more singular. And it's like, yeah. I am Marcus. And with that, the ground that you're standing on swells and picks you up. And instead of bringing you through the tunnels of Graffa up to the topside, up to the streets and to the boulevards, <laughs> it just floats like an island out into the sea. And it floats and floats until Graffa <laughs> is maybe half a mile away. You are just on a raft of rats. That dissipates, and there you are, floating in the dark sea. Uh, hello? Hello? Uh. Your mind is quiet. Lord sucks. <laughs>